Follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I'm Shad, here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you? Uh, doing good, Shad. I'm doing good. I'm glad to hear it. We want to say thank you to everybody out there who is joining us for this episode. We'll get our shout-outs taken care of right away. The first one's going to go to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand, Collar and Elbowbrand.com. Use the promo code Four Corners Podcast. That's the number four, capital C and Corners, capital P and Podcast. No spaces to save 10% off your order. Our other shout-out goes to Matt. Uh, that'd be to the man himself, Orlando Colon. Uh, you know, Shad, Orlando Colon actually uh, tore his peck the other day. He tore his peck? He tore his peck, but you know what? He's all better now because he rubbed some tussin on it. He rubbed some tussin <laughs> on it. <laughs> he healed right up. <laughs> I haven't heard that in years. Matt, that all, sounds I, like a segue. It is a segue. I could have also made like the old joke where it's like, oh, he just rubbed some dirt on it. And yeah. It's better. Rub some dirt on it. So, um, yes, that is a segue. We, uh, I know last week we said we were going to do um, Nitro Era Cruiserweights. We still are, just not tonight because, well, frankly, there's, there's enough contemporary stuff popping up that we're just going to go ahead and hit on it. Um, but that is coming. That's next week. So stay tuned. But uh, tonight, we're talking about all the wild and wacky, ripped-up Cody stuff that's gone on. Um, Brad, can you give us a little background? So he tore a pectoral muscle. Did they know when? It had to have been in the last like week or so. Between Raw and the it, pay-per-view? Yeah, and <laughs> uh, I think that the assertion is that he did it... Uh, Free weights? Doing free weights? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I've only I only do like kind of light lifting, so I, I don't feel like I've ever lifted enough that it, that would be remotely a danger. Um, that could be know. repetitive stress um, tears too, though. Well, Meltzer or Dave Meltzer had like a weird comment to something that uh, Lance Storm tweeted out oh, about and... how he's never done that and um. And then he made a vague, like, steroids comment. Yeah, he made a comment that, reading between the lines, sounds like he, he either knows or believes that Cody is, uh, you know, on the sauce, on the juice. Well, the thing is, I mean, the thing is, if anyone would know, like, lifting yeah. and the mechanics of it, uh, Meltzer would, because he's done that yeah. for, like, 40 years. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a follow-up tweet where someone asked something about it, and his response was, no, it's because Lance does it safely, which I don't know if that really changes anything, but... Well, I mean, if he doesn't do it on the sauce. Yeah. Well, Lance Storm always struck... I liked the way Lance Storm always had his look because it wasn't hugely puffy. It was it was a good look, but it without being restrictive in movement and all that kind of stuff he was a classical wrestler look yeah he he looked he looked strong but he wasn't so swollen up that that's, that's one of the things i don't get about current wwe is their um them wanting their people we said it i think last week they want them to look puffy mm-hmm. but we we are we are now decades into ufc being like a pop cult like a pop a mainstream sport and people know what legitimate fighters look like now, and they don't look like bodybuilders. Yeah, they look lean. Or, no, I mean, some of them have some love handles, or they have their, their like, you know, deflated gut hanging over their, their uh, trunks. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we, we yeah. know what fighters look like now. 
Right. Mm-hmm. There's there's a whole array that fighters can look like. The really fit ones aren't big and muscly. They're pretty lean, but you can have some that just have some of that good old boy farm boy strength going on, and it's not a bunch of muscle definition and that sort of well, stuff. There's oh go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was gonna it. say um, and people don't. I think people like don't understand too if you're not like into sports or like have done a lot like you can have different muscles so like when i worked in a warehouse if you look at pictures of me when i worked in a warehouse i look very different now because when i lost weight um a couple years after that like i i leaned those muscles out by doing a lot Mm -hmm. of cardio so i got smaller but if you look at me way back when like my arms my shoulders my neck and stuff are huge because i was picking up boxes all day yeah. But I don't use those muscles anymore, so I have a much leaner look now. My look when I was working, I was had the advantage of, frankly, just being bigger than a lot of people. But my look tended more towards that lean striker-ish look. So it, having that for one of the tallest guys on the roster was, was a whiplash for some people. But that's what they look like. You know, Mike Tyson did not look like a hulking monster. Mike Tyson was a lean, mean punching machine in his heyday. I don't think he was that tall either, right? No, no he's like 5'8 or something. Yeah. yeah. There are still, in wrestling, there still are those, like, farm boy types. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, the for NXT right now, the Creed Brothers, mm-hmm. like, they kind of have that, like, farm boy look. Like they, and I actually think... Five ten uh, for Tyson. I don't. I don't know okay. if the Creed. I don't know if the Creed brothers are actual farm boys, but I know they're like from, from Ohio. Yeah. Um. And they had like that kind of build, and they can do. They can do crazy athletic stuff. Even um, yep. like John Silver, and Ten has um leaned up a bit, but but Ten when he like about this time last year still had more of a farm boy look because he had a little bit of. He had a little bit of fat on top of that muscle, and he's. John out. John Silver is built, and it's really impressive because the dude's probably like five six, maybe. He's a he's a kind of a smaller man. Uh, we can also re- like refer to someone like Otis. Otis, like Otis, yeah. Otis is like you know charisma, but he's like uh, he's just built like a, a uh, fire hydrant, pretty much. It's just, and he's crazy strong. Yeah, he's even, like ridiculously um, strong. Yeah. Even Claudio Castagnoli, you don't appreciate. Um, his build until you see him live and you realize like his muscles have muscles on them. He has got like that very tall, like I, I would say lean. He's not, I guess really lean cause he's built, but he has more of like this almost like a stretched out kind of look. Yeah. Um, like back in the day, like someone like ravishing Rick Rude kind of had like a build like that. Uh, but I think uh, t- Mark Henry calls him out as being like, one of the strongest guys he's ever. Otis mm-hmm. or no. Rec Cla- Claudio. Uh, Claudio. Oh yeah. 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 Claudio. Um, I, generally we talked this before, but generally speaking, I would say that this, the actual, like the health of workers today, I would argue is probably like much, much better because guys are have, a, I'm not going to say natural build per se in the sense that they all are still like very built and muscular, but it's, it does seem more natural. It seems more like guys are doing it through like workouts and diet, very strict dieting versus like, let me just poke a needle in my ass to get, you know, on the juice and built up. I think, th- I think that still happens, but I would guess that it happens probably less, mm-hmm. um, which is good. Cause obviously like, and, and Meltzer has kind of like talked about this too. It's like, we thankfully are no longer in the era where Dudes are dropping dead at like 35 from a heart attack because they did steroids for decades uh, since they were like a teenager, and we don't really see that nowadays, which is which is good. You know, actually, uh, I saw I think it was David Bixenspan and Chris Zona were talking about it once that they kind of wondered if the steroids were overstated, like for the cause of death. But like, if you look at a lot of those guys that died early they were in the early days of national expansion and they were ping-ponging all over the country. Mm-hmm. Like, you would have to do a show in L.A. one day and a show in Cleveland the next day, then a show in, like, Dallas. And they were kind of wondering if 
because of the way they're making guys travel, like if it was more like having to do the uppers and downers just to keep going because they were jet lagging the shit out of you. Yeah. And if guys started living longer when they started going, well, let's stop doing that. And okay, well, you're just going to do like a circuit around California and the West Coast instead of back and forth. Yeah, the schedule was like insane. And that that also led to guys getting hurt or working hurt. And then to do that, they like are just drinking like large amounts of alcohol and or painkillers. Painkillers with alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. So it. That's that seems to be like far far less, which is obviously like a, a very good thing because you have guys living longer and you have generally it seems like guys being healthier, or even if they like retire like early, at what's early nowadays like in their early forties or so, then it's like okay, well they can hopefully still have like a good quality of life versus like basically and, be crippled. And I think the drug culture in wrestling is different. I think like guys have like weed as their vice now instead of like cocaine. Mm-hmm. So I think or helps. or more pain medication like somas. I think part of what helps a lot of people on their fitness is that there is a lot more information out there for bodily fitness stuff. Mm-hmm. You're doing this to uh, work these areas, or you're doing these things for this stuff, as opposed to shoot up the juice, lift a lot of weights, look good. And there's more awareness of how different compounds affect and, your body. So And better medical treatment because I think um, Dr. Steve said if you're like in your 60s or 70s now, your chance of making it to 90 is like astronomically high these really? days because, you're, because the medical care is so much better. You figure the dietary care is better mm. Um, mm. just because medicine's advanced so much in the last 30 years. Say the problem is that if you make it to sixty, you're gonna be, you're gonna live to ninety unless your heart gets filled with fluid. <laughs> but I mean, because too, if you think about it, and I think he's talked about that. But really, modern medicine did not start until like the nineties, like the modern era of medicine. This is like a total non sequitur, but if you if you somehow like on TV Land or something, watch like an old episode of uh, like uh, Saint Elsewhere. Uh-huh. From like the you know the hospital show from like the eighties, or even like you watch ER from the nineties. It's like you might as well be looking at like Caveman. Yeah, it's 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 so like antiquated because stuff has like things happen so quickly and everything. My dad has had both of his hips replaced and um they were done five years apart. And mm. like when he had the second one done five years later, like Caveman might as well have done his first one. That's how much it changed in five years. Like even the yeah. lifespan had jumped from like twenty years to like twenty five to twenty eight years or something insane. Mm. We're getting just getting better care and better knowledge on how to take care of ourselves. So I'm happy to see that because you know we don't have people dropping dead in their forties. We don't have unfortunate things happening like Luis Piccoli and Bobby Duncan Jr. and Eddie Guerrero happening. Mm -hmm. And I'm happy for that. I really am. But it seems to me that one of the side effects is everybody's being able to do all this stuff. So they decide uh, some of them decide, I should say, not all of them, but some of them decide to do crazier stuff. It's like, ah, you know, you don't have to do that. It'd be okay if you didn't. So what do you guys think in general? Do you think someone should have told Cody not to work that match? Because I think I would have probably said, hey, don't work that match because there could be some long-term damage from this. Uh, I would, personally. Because I... Look, it's a business that the whole thing is like, oh, you need to work work hurt. And that's like the old-school mentality. And mm-hmm. Cody, Cody more than others was, you know, raised by Dusty, so that that old school mentality uh, is probably heavily ingrained in him. And he's a guy who has just a lot of ambition and drive, and he's certainly in a position right now where, you know, Roman. I don't know what's going on with Roman. I don't know if Roman just like he's taking a dip because he just doesn't want to be working that much anymore. And he did sign like a new contract apparently where he he's going to have to work far fewer dates. So I think 
even when he's back, quote unquote, full time, um, he's going to be doing it much less. Like he probably won't work that many house shows or if at all. He may just work like the TV and pay-per-views. I don't know what's going on with Roman. He's gone like for pretty much the entirety of the summer, possibly for a movie or something. I don't know. But Cody certainly saw like an opportunity where it's like, okay, I'm going to be positioned as the number one babyface. Uh, and he kind of has been, even though that's, it's like, that's, there's a little more complicated to that than, than I'm kind of letting on. But if you're in that position, it's like, why wouldn't you try to ingratiate yourself to Vince McMahon and just go ahead and finish up this program you're doing with Seth? If you're going to be on the shelf for a few moments, like, like months, like that's, I, I can understand why he did it, but you tell you tell the guy like not to do it like you don't want him to risk like permanent injury yeah it's i'm of two minds because on one hand i am of the opinion that if you're hurt let's not make it worse but i was listening to observer radio uh yesterday or yesterday's episode and Brian Alvarez made the point. He said, you know, they have a doctor who is seems to be let me watch my phrasing carefully here, but seems to be more conservative with clearing people than a lot of others seem to be and told him it's already torn off the bone. It can't get any worse. It's just going to hurt a lot. So if you're going to do it, go do it. And I'm in this place where it's like, okay. If that's accurate, then I I guess it's up to you then. Don't come crying to me if this comes back around on you in five, ten years or something like that. But I personally would not have done it because having something like that happen, I would be afraid would lead to me hurting the guy I was working with. I'd be worried about doing – like making – damaging the torn muscle in your body and making it harder to reattach properly. Just my big concern would be, could I actually take care of the other guy hurt that way? That's the immediate concern. The long-term concern is, you know, how big of a deal is this going to be? Cause it is going to be a deal, but I don't know how big of a deal it's going to be. I don't know. Because he's probably, what, missing four to six months with surgery? People have raised the point that uh, John Cena tore his pec and he was only out like three months. But that's, I think, like an outlier because I, I think it usually it's – you can be gone like a long time. But I, I would not – I would imagine he probably would not be – Cody would not probably not be going – coming back until like maybe you probably back maybe for Royal Rumble yeah that's what it, I would think uh, which in, in many ways would work out for him because he can come back as a surprise in the Rumble he could maybe even win the Rumble and he could have like his mania moment where he's actually challenging for the title because um, I always thought I always thought that if they didn't just have him win the title off Roman um, and if they if, if they didn't go the direction of Roman versus Rock, which is what they want to do, and I could see it happening. Which but I don't felt, see how anyone has any interest in that, to be honest with you. They're obsessed. I. It's it's kind of like the whole like. Rock putting over Cena, Hogan putting over Rock back in the day. It's like this passing of the torch type of thing, but it's also it's also like. Roman is in his late 30s, and he's already signaling right now that he's like not really that interested in doing this as much as he's been doing it, mm-hmm. either because he's going Hollywood himself, or he just wants to you know, graduate to basically like being a part-time uh, attraction talent. And it's like that's fine if he wants to do that. Then it's like you should, you should putting Rock and, and against Roman. Like I don't know what you're going to do unless you're concerned about selling out whatever stadium they're going to do well, for us I mean, next year, but it's not long-term. It's like, it's not what's they're going to do for anyone. You have to remember too, like we're, we're like seven years into Roman is like, there is them trying to like make Roman a thing. And oh, that's what it, even deeper, like than when 
he was in like the shield and stuff i'd have to actually like count it up again but we're uh, we're close to or about at the the number of main events wrestlemania main events that hogan got and hogan was in heavily featured in like the first like nine but he didn't main event all of them either though he didn't main event all of them, but he main event like most of them. Yes, but I think I think Roman can, has main evented the most consecutive manias. It's it's kind of ridiculous. Well, especially for how unover. I mean, I know like the the heel thing has kind of worked, but they they have sacrificed like the next five or six years. If he were if he were to leave tomorrow, it would mm-hmm. take them years to rebuild. They already. Well, that's the whole thing about Cody getting hurt, and I believe this this week, if he hasn't already had it, like today, uh, he, this week he's supposed to be um, supposed to be getting surgery, I guess, to repair the pec, the yeah. torn pec muscle. Yeah. Um, they're already in like a really bad position because it's like Roman is he he's gonna be infrequent over this entire summer, um, and then he's not gonna be there like. He certainly he may come back for like the pay per view. I think he has like I think he's gonna do like two or three pay per views, but he's not gonna be on like regular TV week to week. And Cody was like your new guy, so and it's like what are they gonna what are they who what are they gonna do? And like, we saw how do? bad that was with Brock when he had it for like a year and a half and he wasn't on TV for most of it. Oh, people are people are joking, um, kind of like half joking on on Twitter and everything. But they're like, oh, Vince is on the speed dial with Brock. <laughs> convincing him to come back and it's like well yeah i mean actually they he might he might be doing that um they if you, if you want to talk about like what happened with raw there's a whole other like bad there's a lot of bad booking with raw surprise um yeah. but they even though he just formed a stable like two months ago and they haven't lost let's just point out that they were just in a feud where they literally won every match yeah uh, but Edge Edge got turned on by his own stable. Um, they had a perfect guy to be like the new the new main event face in Finn Balor, a guy who's like not only talented but was over with people. But he's under fifty. We can't we can't have that. Yeah, and he um he turns turns heel, and now he's like the new leader, I guess, of, of the Judgment Day stable, and they turned on Edge. So I'm assuming that what we're going to see, at least for like the summer, is Edge will be like the main, the main babyface of Raw. They already they already chumped him to Roman like multiple times, and also with with Finn, didn't they, didn't isn't he like less than a year into a face turn? I, I so. don't remember when. Because he was a heel on NXT. Okay, then I think you're right. I the only thing I can figure is Bullet Club taking over, and it's, you know that joke. That's all I got. Because it seems like a panic move to me. It's something that doesn't seem to make any sense from the outside. It's something that I. I haven't watched WWE stuff since the only WWE stuff I've watched recently was Mania, and then I went and found the King of the Ring Finals match just to see Xavier get his Duke out of it. And so I, I can freely admit I'm pro- I may be missing something, but no, I you, it, I don't I, I don't get it. I try to get context on some of that stuff when I'm confused by it, and I, I listen to reviews of it, and it's always as bad as you imagine it. Sometimes it's actually worse than you imagine. Yeah, I just don't I don't understand it. If the idea is we're going with Edge as the top face, could you maybe just maybe lay a little bit of groundwork first instead of snap your fingers, here we go. Well, people are like people are trying to defend it because they defend every dumb thing they do, saying it was a surprise. And it's like surprises don't mean squat if they don't make sense. Right. The ECW got to a point where they had to have a surprise every show 
and it wasn't a surprise anymore. It was just something that was going to happen. And we, just we, because and we it's unexpected. This, and we saw on this, one of those surprises got Tommy Dreamer beat up because Terry Funk had a point. Yeah, that's true. And I, I don't like this, oh, it was a surprise thing, because to me that sounds like you're on the same side as Vince Russo now. And I'm very comfortable saying I'm never on Vince Russo's well, side. Some of the dumbest things I have ever seen in WWE, in um, comic books, in movies, in TV shows, is when they have something logically planned out, and then they panic because everyone's figured it out because it's logical, and then they change it to surprise everyone, and it just shits all over all the buildup. It mm-hmm. never, whenever you change your a plot point because everyone figured it out, it's always bad, almost always terrible. If people figured it out ahead of time, that means that you built it well, right? And predictable is not bad. That's that's the one thing I, I've said about AEW, and actually where they're starting to get bad is AEW is predictable 90% of the time, but ninety but being predictable is not bad. It's not bad when the predictable thing that you're doing is what you've kind of been showing people that this is the direction you were going at, and people want that. Yeah. Uh, that's – people like, like, like Dave Meltzer have talked about this a lot, or Brian Alvarez at least. It's like you the – they made the whole argument. Brian certainly made the whole argument. It's like AEW is basically like a, a face promotion, and by this I mean like they give fans what they want. And WWE is like a heel promotion. It's like they don't they actively subvert what the what the fans want. If the fans want something, it's like you can't have that. Now we're gonna do the opposite of that because you guys want it. Screw you guys. And that's AEW is giving people what they want. They're gonna, they're it's like a it's the weirdest like magician trick where it's like you're showing people the trick. You're like. It's like winking a nod. Hey guys, you know you want, and they rarely do not give the fans what they want. There are some people that sometimes like they they're not giving the fans what they want yet, but usually they they find a way there. And sometimes sometimes though, if they're not giving the fans what they want, they're giving the fans what they need overall. Right. But like, but the the thing is WWE like. The fans don't want anything now because they're all gone, so they can just do whatever they want. The fans that they still have are so conditioned to just accepting whatever you give them. Well, and their fans are all over 55, too. So it's just the people that have been watching since, you know, the 70s. Right. I quit watching them and i'll admit i'm not going to be fair but i got to thinking about it earlier today just as some self-examination what is my deal with wwe why am i so happy to go to an alternative to go to another product because i'll tell you i'll tell you for you i think you and i are similar is we were never wwf fans to begin with we got stuck with them as the only option yeah yeah, I was I always preferred WCW stuff except for the darkest days. Oh my lord, the darkest days were so bad. It was but for the most part I preferred WCW. There were stretches where I preferred what I got to see on Impact. I'll even, as much as as much as it wasn't my bag, there was even points in the the late 90s where I would take ECW over WWF sometimes but it, there are tropes and proclivities in WWE WWF programming that I'm just not there for I their naming structure of people for starters um, their weird vernacular that's only gotten worse the vernacular thing really really annoys me and it's only gotten worse because no one talks like a human being someone made a joke the other day on 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 twitter and they were like well while i'm sitting at home watching a premium live event it's like oh my god i forgot they 
they Orwellian changed the name of what a pay-per-view is supposed to be. Or is that what they call them? Well, I guess that's that's more accurate now. That you know, that I'll I'll defend that. It's not pay-per-view anymore. It is kind of. Well, I'm not. Yeah, the WWE universe is their term for the fandom. Is there a term for specific fans? No, they only call fans remember. fans when uh, every heel turn they blame the fans. That's true. Oh, my Lord. That kills me every time. It's because you people didn't believe in me. and I could point to some cases like they were just cheering for you last week. They're cheering for them during the promo sometimes. Yeah. They were when, – when Becky Lynch did her big heel turn thing – she blamed the fans and they were cheering her earlier in that promo. Yep. But you're going to blame the fans. No, they all blame, they all blame the fans. I think even edge did. And I'm pretty sure yeah. Finn Balor is going to blame the fans next week. It wouldn't be hard to just have a promo where it says, I wanted to do it this way because it was easier. I was tired of taking the high road all the time. But it, it's so stupid though know. because like Hogan kind of did that with the NWO, but it worked because he was legitimate. Like if you listen to like the early Hogan NWO promos, he's venting like real life frustrations. Yeah. Because he was in a promotion where he wasn't necessarily welcome, so it worked because that he was coming from a real place. But like. It's like they it's like they dust off like the same script every time. I don't think they dust anything off. They use it so often. <laughs> I know. But I was never a WWE guy, you're right. And excuse me for that, I'm sorry. And in doing so, just being stuck with them for a while, it was trying to make the best of what we got and this was not the best for me. It was not a good fit. And just because something's unexpected or a surprise doesn't make it good. If my cat were to jump in my lap and puke on me, that would be unexpected. And I still wouldn't like it. There's only, for me, there's only like a six month period where I thought WWF was legitimately like the greatest thing ever. And that was when that Chris Kresge guy was booking from like December of 99 into like june or july of 2000 and when like the radicals like first showed up and stuff oh man there was some really good stuff in that stretch yeah the radicals arrival that main event radicals versus uh rock and sock and too cool it was radicals and dx wasn't it yeah and then there was that month there was that month I think it like May of 2001 where like Austin and Benoit had like three amazing matches and they had that tag that was just oh, the off Canadian the chart. Chris's versus the two man power trip. Yeah, that was that was intense. I the Rock and Sock and Too Cool versus DX thing, the pop on that was staggering in the way that came off. And it was really impressive. But I believe that so much of the success they had in that era, we can attribute to, or I can attribute to, I shouldn't speak for you guys, I can attribute to them having a structure kind of like what AEW has now in that you had enough big-name top-of-the-card guy shuffling around that you could just shuffle the deck and have these people work against each other and it would be a good program. Well, they had All a, of the eggs were not in one basket. But they also had they also had a guy that was a detail guy booking. Mm-hmm. Like, to the point that they bullied him out of the spot because someone wanted to do something. He says, well, that doesn't make sense. And he literally pulled out, like, charts to show why that yes. didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. The guy kept storyboards on the wall of his office to keep everything straight. Yep, and they, and they got am... pissed at him because he said, that does not make sense because of this, this, and this, and I have it right here. 
It's like when Marvel uh, ran out Jim Shooter as editor-in-chief because he was trying to make them adhere to stuff. But I think I think the problem they have now, though, is they don't have anyone because they haven't – they don't, like they've, – they've spent, like, the last, year, like, two years making sure no one's over. Yeah. Everybody who got over got – it seems like got fed to Roman. Yep. And so there is a very clear tier system now where there's Roman and then there's everybody else. But even like they did this angle on Monday with the Street Profits and the Usos and no one gave a shit because no one believes that the Street Profits can beat the Usos. Right. They do not – the bloodline, Roman, Usos, whatever, don't show their ass enough for people to believe they can go down. Flair lost matches early in a feud, so it was believable that this guy could take him down, yeah, even but, if it never happened. But Flair, Flair also did not have to lose. Like he would, he would do other things though. Like he would get his his tuxedo like ripped off and like be running around in his underwear and have to cut like a promo with like half his shirt on and his in his boxers talking about how he's going to beat their ass like or you know Ricky Morton would take his like fancy glasses off and break them like stuff like that yes. like is all but like Roman like never gets yeah. outsmarted never gets one upped that's uh, that's why I was after after mania when he became you know double champion it's like I I don't like I don't care about Roman I don't and that's it because He's invincible. He's like Superman. Like he's never he never loses. He never shows any he never shows any ass. Never shows really His like minions never do. No, it's like there's and I compared him to Hogan um, because back in the day, like Hogan, Hogan was when he was like a face, he would show his ass. Like every feud was basically like you have a monster heel, even if you have like a smaller heel, like Savage or some maybe Mister Perfect, someone else. Like they would there would be at least some some instance where they had the advantage maybe they cheat whatever and, but it's like hope it's going to be like selling for like 10 minutes mm-hmm. and if it's a monster heel he may sell for even more he this a feud may start with a monster heel coming out injuring hogan yep and then hogan like disappears essentially for like off tv for like a couple months maybe just as promos but you don't really see him do matches and then like he comes back and he wins the he wins the the actual like TV match or pay per view match or whatever it is, mm-hmm. but meanwhile on the the house show circuit, you know they're doing matches like every week or every like multiple times a week and doing big business. But it, the format the format that was the same. It's like he goes, he like maybe has an early advantage and he gets like the shit kicked out of him, mm-hmm. and then he eventually makes a comeback and wins. But it's like that at least was okay. He always won. I get that, but at least he like showed well, his ass. Like he got, he showed, he was showed vulnerability. He might lose by DQ on the circuit <laughs> to set up yeah. like a gimmick match. They might do mm-hmm. that sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think Earthquake had a televised DQ win over Hogan or a countout win. Maybe. Uh, Mr. Lanny Poffo, the genius, has a DQ win or you no, know, it's a countout win over him on TV. Yeah, it didn't happen much, but. Yes, Hogan looked Hogan looked vulnerable because he understood that people want to get behind someone overcoming something. If you say Superman, and I, I know why you say that, but Superman is limited by the fact that there are certain things that Clark Kent just won't do or things that, that you know – are off limits for Clark. So how is he going to deal with this issue without crossing that line? That that's for me. That's that Superman stuff. But but Superman Roman also has a, other limitations. Like um, Superman tends to think with his fists. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there there's things like that. He can um, he tends to fall into traps. Like there there's there's ways that smart people can write Superman. Yes. And, um, but now Roman's a heel, so there's nothing he won't do, yet he still wins all the time. He never shows any weakness. He wins clean most of the time. Yes. So what am I supposed to be invested in here? Where am I supposed to have the buy-in for it? Because Roman's a heel. 
but uh, it seems like they desperately want people to cheer him because the challengers don't seem to matter. You can you can do the Roman thing, but you need your you need your shining light to go with it. Like in in ninety seven WCW, like you had Sting and Lex Luger, like yes. your shining lights. Like so, you know you had Hogan, Hogan did did not, wa- did not want to tangle with either one of them. Yep, and you had Lex Luger winning all of his matches, tearing through everything, looking good. That's how you kind of have to do the big bad heel thing, but mm-hmm. um, they haven't done that because everyone's a fucking chump. It's like yeah. we have an evil overlord setting instead of uh, a a top heel. You know, I'm the evil overlord tyrant who has crushed all resistance under my boot, who will stand against me. I have ground the populace into dirt where they don't even think about rising up against me, or they attempt to rise up every so often and I just crush them back down again. Because they would. I, so I'm much... drawing Mistborn comparisons because I finished it here recently. They would get they would get so much more mileage, and it would only have to be a short reign. I mean, and they've kind of wasted everyone, but just having someone beat him for the yeah. titles for a couple of weeks would do so much more for them as a company. And have Roman go ballistic and pull every dirty trick in the book he can in order to get them back. I honestly think Brock should have beat him. I think Matt was dead on with with that one for Mania. They're obsessed with doing that match, but it's like you you had Roman beat everyone, but you've you spent so much time and money and effort building up Brock. It's like, well, who if 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 Brock can't beat him, then who? Who? Yeah. And the answer is like who no will? one. Because they people were saying it was going to be Drew McIntyre, but they haven't like done enough since he lost the title to keep him like. Well, and he but, lost to Roman already, didn't he? I think he did, right? Well, I mean, he's lost yeah. to Roman up teen times because when he was a minion, he was, like, jobbing to him left and right. I mean, since his his breakthrough, the uh, Drew's big breakthrough and winning the title and, and I carrying the title basically through the COVID era is what I'm getting at. Uh, probably, because everyone's jobbed to Roman. Yeah. So as it stands right now, uh, back in January, Reigns has held the universal title. He held the universal title for 500 days back then. So add, I don't know, he's six more months on, on top years. of it. He's coming yeah. up on two years. And I don't know what what their end game is. I don't think they have one. I think I don't. I, I would worry that they want to get Rock and have Rock beat him. That makes no sense to me. Because he's not going to come back on the road full time. He's not. The last time he had a match, he got hurt so bad that he couldn't work for most of a year. And, and I the... think um, I think people thought it was Cody, but I just didn't see that happening. I don't think... I think they would have gone in with that and Vince would have changed his mind at the last time because of like Cody leaving and all that stuff. And they would have jobbed him at the exact wrong moment and it just would have torpedoed everything. I was going to say, I think that Cody was what they were going towards, but I also think you may very well be right in that they would have pulled the drag shoot at the wrong moment. And then it's like, oh, guess he's not over. It's like, well, he was until you messed it up. Because I think they would have done something like they would have done a SummerSlam match and job Cody there and then, like, had him win on some lesser pay-per-view because they don't understand how stupid that is. Somewhere along the way, Vince seemed to to lose grasp. And I, I don't. I can't put a finger on when it was. It's when they it's when they went off of pay per view onto the network and they did not have to please people that were putting fifty to sixty dollars down, and that's when ah. the feud started becoming these like clockwork free pay per view deals 
and the pay-per-view uh. cards themselves got worse. That's exact. If you if you look at like pay-per-view results, once people only had ten dollars in the game instead of fifty or sixty, like they stopped giving you sixty dollars worth of show. Uh, okay. Well, I don't know uh, who they're gonna. I don't know who they're gonna really push. I would say Lashley, but I think it's gonna be Edge. I think they probably get, Lashley seems to be a face, right? I think for the summer it's gonna be Edge, but I don't know how long that's gonna last. You can't um, work a full schedule as a singles. Yeah, I I presume that Lashley that it, it probably will be Lashley. Are they they still have like Riddle and Orton as guys like i don't are they even on raw or are they on smackdown Orton, I honestly, Orton, um, yeah. they're on raw primarily hmm. but i don't think like riddle i don't think riddle's like actually over i think uh, they're trying to pull every trick in the book to get him as over as they can get him but i don't have a good grasp on how over he is he's over but i don't think he's like world champion over I think that she. I think that Riddle is, is over, but it is a question mark as to how over he is. But uh, on the SmackDown side, I do think that they're probably gonna be pushing Drew, if only because like they don't they have like a big pay per view coming up in the, yeah. the UK, so I think that he's he's gonna get some attention. But it's like why? I don't want to. This is what they're gonna do probably. But why would you like? You know, give him a push only to have him jaw to Roman. But he feels like it feels like he's cold as ice though. It feels like he has no momentum and he's dead cold in the water. No, they gotta they'd, they'd have to heat him up again. And he's a frustrating one to me. Only because like after he won the title like against Brock uh, a couple years back, it's like you had guys, you had like the perfect opportunity to make to try and make him like your new big star. He couldn't get <laughs> away from Orton though. No, they kept doing it. And they had him. They had him, they had him drop the title to Orton, only like to win it right back. And it's like that was completely unnecessary. And then when you like, okay, well he's got the title back, then you can do something with him. It's like, oh no, no, we have to have him feud with Lashley and lose. It's like you. What? Did he? No, he didn't. Need, no, that's not true though, because he lost to Miz. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, oh, right. I, it was in was that multi-man blocking, match. I was blocking that Miz. Like one day <laughs> rain. Title, yeah, title rain out of the out of my mind. Because remember that was like that big thing where that someone compared like the champions, and they were the exact same world champions from a decade ago because they're that, that's how stale they are. Right. And they justified taking the title away from Drew by saying, well, you know, he's not over. He's not getting a big reaction. It's like you were in the Thunderdome for the entirety of his reign. You don't know if he was over or not because you guys were the ones controlling the responses. But he had like a six-month feud with Orton, like no one's going to stay over. Yeah, they... So, uh, Drew could have been. He seemed like a big prospect for him, but I don't know. That's why if you want someone to to be hot and get over, and I I wish they would stop, they would have stopped pairing Cody up with him, is you don't, if you have big plans for someone and want them to get over, you never pair them with the Miz. Because it won't work. They don't mm. get more over. It just cools them off. And I don't know why they kept putting Cody with him because it had the same effect. It's just not seeming to do anybody any favors. Beating him on the way up Is would be fine if, because if, if it was it. a it would be fine if it was a short, you know, one and done thing, but since they have forever feuds and since they feel like this this incomprehensible need to protect him at every turn, like you should just not pair people up with him. So, Cody, I think he came in hot, and then they did something out of the ordinary by having him 3-0 the person he was feuding with. 
which never happens. Yeah, but I I thought that was dumb though because they kept rematching them and he had won every match. It was I thought it was yeah. There wasn't a good reason to do that except for that's what they always do now. Yeah. And Seth Rollins, I don't get Seth Rollins right now. Uh, I, I, honest <laughs> to God, don't get him. How would you describe his uh, gimmick? Shaq? Oh, his gimmick current the, um, Seth freaking Rollins, the giggly bitch. <laughs> yeah, it's, or the giggly bitch Seth Rollins. That's that. That's it. He, he wears weird clothes and then he laughs a bunch. And it's he's like <laughs> it's 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 like he's the Jared Leto Joker, or he's the someone's like we're gonna, we want you to do a Joker gimmick, and he's like okay, and he went and watched Jared Leto's version instead of Mark Hamill's version or something. I I have no idea what this is supposed to accomplish or maybe trying to show that like seth rollins has a personality and has basic human emotions if that's the case it's still not working because it seems so forced they're never i'm sorry like they're never gonna you can get him over as like a upper mid card guy but like what they what they want him to be is he's not capable of being and he's never been capable of being that it's just not working. No, because he's he is a limited guy. He you can't do much with him because he doesn't change his style whether he's face or heel. Um, yeah. He works gimmick matches like his regular matches. Like he just he just doesn't get it. And there he has I, to get his shit in. There are so many people I see. Who watches stuff and be like, oh, Seth's so good, you know, you know, all-time Hall of Famer. And I'm like, he's been wrestling the exact same match for years. And face or heel, either one. And it's not not in it's not in the way of. You know, the, remember whenever we reviewed uh, Bash at the Beach 97 and I described Ric Flair versus Roddy Piper as Ric Flair had a, a, a prototypical Ric Flair match and Roddy Piper had a prototypical Roddy Piper match. It's not that they have a match type. It's that Seth seems like he just has one match. You know what Seth and, Rollins is to me? He is what people think Kenny Omega is. Now that's an interesting thought. Because because if, if you listen to like what people complain about Kenny Omega, like Seth Rollins does almost all of that. And like the people that complain about Kenny always seem to like literally get a boner over Seth Rollins, but Kenny Omega has a match, but Kenny Omega like works his match around his opponents. So his matches feel very different. Because he is incorporating like his opponents like strengths and styles into into what he does. Like if you watch from last fall, like if you watch the Brian Danielson and the Christian Cage matches that happened pretty close together, they're very different matches, but Kenny Omega works a Kenny Omega match within the bounds of Okay, Kenny Omega's um I think it might be fair to say that his offense doesn't vary. But the the rest of the match does but but his offense his offensive deployment does change though yeah yes that that's like he he has the thing that frustrates me just in my taste about kenny omega is i don't like watching him do like five v triggers in a row but he's not it's not like, hey, you know, we're 15 minutes into the match. It's time for the three V trigger spot or something. Yeah. Yeah. So. Whereas Seth yeah, Rollins I, I got like you. hits the same beats offensively every match. Whereas Kenny Omega, his offense, he's gonna do the same moves, but they're gonna they're gonna happen differently. They're gonna be based on what the opponent's doing, um, and like what the match calls for. So like the V trigger might like get like reduced or have more of them depending on what the match calls for um they're very good at protecting the one-winged angel so that the way he's trying to get that on can can alter 
it's just now I know what what I'm thinking of. I finally I can put my finger on it. I can put my finger on what Seth Rollins match Seth Rollins matches remind me of. They remind me of Billy Kidman's singles matches. Because you get so far along and someone who never does a power bomb tries to power bomb uh Billy Kidman or you would have you would get to a certain point and Kidman's always going to do these spots. Now Kidman, Billy Kidman was good. I enjoyed watching Billy Kidman do cruiserweight stuff, but his singles matches invariably followed the same pattern. His when he was doing tag stuff, it varied up more, and it was a lot of fun to watch. I, I enjoyed him way more as a tag wrestler than a singles guy. But Seth Rollins singles matches remind me of Billy Kidman singles matches. Yeah, because if, if you're talking about Kenny Omega, like you said, the power bomb spot, like he would let that person power bomb him, probably just to throw people off. He'd let that person power bomb him earlier in the match and then do the counter later. Right. I, I personally would feel like I, I think Seth is better than Billy Kidman. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I do think that Seth is a good worker, but I do think he has flaws, and I think what the last like two three years have showed us it's like you can't have him be like your main face the problem with him though is like when he and he and john moxley had that grudge match in a cage he worked a seth rollins match with no like grudge in it whatsoever or like that three-year period where he had to hurt his knee like the same way in almost every match that's the thing that sticks out to me for almost a year, year and a half, every match had that knee tease in it off of him trying to do a uh, sunset flip bomb. Or, and or, I was just like... Or the superplex into the Falcon Arrow, which you should not reliably be able to pull that combo off. Yeah, it's... it's Overwrought. Yeah, it, 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 it that's that's not the kind of thing you should be using as a spot a transition spot yeah it's it's not a that's that's a finish sequence that's not a spot and that's incidentally that's part of why i get so aggravated with adam cole is panama sunrise is not a spot that should be a finish yeah but you know every time he does he tries to go for that as his setup for his far less visually impressive finish and I'm just like, no, don't do that. You've got to stop doing that. Because if you look at Kenny Omega, and I think why his matches are so good, is he does not have overly convoluted spots. Most of his individual spots are simple. They're easy to pull off. They make sense contextually. But they chain together really well and in very different ways and you can really change it up depending on the situation and i think that's what makes him such a good worker is because his offense is so interchangeable and how you can put it together okay uh that's danielson has danielson's um, the same way yeah danielson's the same way moxley is not but that's because moxley's offense can be so widely varied that he he just does what he feels like he's going to do next, but he's good enough that it works. But, uh, I, yes, I see where you're coming from. Even if I, even if I'm not an Omega guy, I, I see your point. Yes, you are correct. Because like Randy, it, Savage, and Flair have the mm-hmm. same stuff. Simple yeah, offense, yeah. you can chain it together really easy, and you can change it up when you want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to say anything groundbreaking here. I will just say that like Moxley is like scary good because I watched him not that long ago live when he did the the New Japan show, New Japan mm-hmm. America show here in D.C. And everything he was doing looked so crisp and like so visually impressive that it was he's just fun to watch because he, he comes off as like obviously it's like crazy brawler type. Um, mm-hmm. But the guy can wrestle, like, and they wrestle really, really well. Like, I mean, like technical, like wrestle. It's he's amazing right now. There, there are few. I would, I would argue, there are few people out there right now who are as compelling as he is and as good as he is. And like, obviously, like when he's 
back in the WWE. Like, you wouldn't be able to do that. You no. Know? Maybe he would have to work the same style of match he'd had to work, like, in the last, you know, 500 matches with them. And he worked so much. He had more matches than anybody in WWE because mm-hmm. he was trying to prove a point. So, all right. Where are we going to go from here? <laughs> I think that's it for this because we were kind of just talking about the injury. We covered who we thought could replace them, and then we were kind of just shitting on Seth Rollins, and we were kind of everything like that. But I will because, say, um, I will no, say no, no, this. No, no, no. No, the giggly bitch Seth Rollins. Yes, but I will say this, though. Um, they really put themselves in a bad catch-22 because you couldn't job Cody there, but now what do you do with Seth Rollins? He has to stay on the roster, and you've just... I mean, he's jobbed all year because he lost to Roman at the Rumble. Like, he's yeah. he's literally jobbed all year. Like, what do you do with him now? I don't know. That's... I I, I have no idea what I... If, if I got a phone call tomorrow for some reason... And they wanted to give me the book. I don't have any idea where I would start. I I wish I did, but I got nothing. So, I uh, we could talk really briefly about at AEW because mm-hmm. it seems like right now like there's a lot of injuries going around. Yeah. Because um, yeah. that was like the the big story from this past week is that CM Punk is injured. Uh, he's not relinquishing. The, his newly won AEW championship, but because he has to get surgery and he's going to be out for at least like a little bit of time, it's not like it's going to be too long, but he's going to be out. Uh, they're doing an interim. They're going to do a. They're doing the, the mini tournament. By mini tournament, I mean like there is going to be a battle royal tomorrow on Dynamite, and the winner of that gets will actually face Moxley, and the winner of that match will face the winner. Uh, we'll, we'll at Forbidden Door, the Forbidden Door pay-per-view that's coming up very soon. They're going to face the winner of Tanahashi versus uh, Goto, which everyone expects that's going to be Tanahashi. So uh, that's going to be at the at the Forbidden Door pay-per-view, and that person, whoever it's going to be, it's going to be the interim AEW champion until, I guess, you know, uh, Punk comes back and then I mean, sure, they'll be. It sounds like they're doing a unification match where whoever wins that match will be, be the, the undisputed AEW champion. Uh, they, they could go a lot of ways with this, I guess. Um, someone was making like a, an argument on Twitter today where it's like it should, the winner of the, of the Battle Royal should be like Jericho because Jericho was the first champion. Jericho has like is believable as like a guy who could, you know, be in that position to challenge for at least a right to, to go against uh, whoever's going to win the Japanese portion of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it makes sense because it basically f- advances the whole um, Jericho Appreciation Society versus Black Bull Combat Club uh, storyline that we're going to get the whole blood and guts match soon. So it, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I know that people have been like fantasy booking like Eddie Kingston in this and it's like I get that I, I love Eddie Kingston and I'd love to get for him to get the rub but I don't I don't know about that yeah I don't know that this is the moment to strike with him because he's got a they've got to finish out the blood and gut story and that doesn't like I, I get what you're saying about Jericho going on but if that was the case I'd have Jericho lose to Mox and Mox progress yeah. because they've got it well even with would, that, even saying that, they've got to go to the blood and gut storyline. So I don't know. But I think that I think you could do that. I think you could you 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 could have Jericho be the one to win the uh, battle royal and face Mox. But yes, I would have Mox advance, and that can continue like the whole storyline where it's like Jericho wants revenge or Jericho is upset because you know he lost to Mox. It could just feud into the whole like blood and gut storyline. And if you want to give like Eddie his big win, um. Eddie's going to be at the blood and guts match, right? You could have yeah. you could have Eddie be the one essentially to win the whole thing for his team. I think that actually that thinking about it like that actually would if I was booking this fantasy booking it, that's how I would do it because like the back the Blackpool Combat Clubs outside of maybe like Yuta, it's like they don't like Mox and Danielson don't really need the rub. Uh, and I mean obviously like the like Kingston would need it. Uh, Proud and the powerful guys 
would would probably benefit from it, but they don't need to win it either. Right. Uh, so that would leave like Kingston. King, that'd be like a really big win for Kingston. So yeah. there's a lot of um. There's other guys in AEW that are hurt right now. Um, but not that severely. It's it it, it is impressive because basically it's like. WWE is in a bad position. It's like Roman's not really around. Yeah. Cody was the guy who was going to be like the next big thing. And he, he can be like months from now when he returns from surgery. But WWE is in a position where it's like, well, who the hell are they going to push now? Like it's, and it's not obvious because they haven't booked anyone in a position that they could just step in yeah. and fill that, that role. Uh, or to the extent that you can argue like, oh, they have people. It's like, okay, well, none of them are built up. Right now, yeah, yeah. Like, so you'd have to heat them up. Whereas Punk, Punk's hurt, and other people are hurt. Like uh, Danielson is hurt, but I guess he's going to be coming back in like a week or so. Um, someone like Adam Cole, Jeff Hardy, like both of them are hurt, but this sound like it's anything long term. Um, it, it, it's like even if you like write all these guys off because they're hurt, AEW has literally has like a dozen guys. Like yeah, okay, like we can. Like those guys are hurt, uh, that's fine. We can have Adam Page step in. We can have Freaky Stark step in. Keith Lee, uh, Jericho, like Moxley, uh, other guys. It's like they they are in like a they have like kind of a, they kind of have like a bloated uh, roster, but it's also like they have guys that they could believably slot into a big position or a main event position and not blink an eye. Kingston, you could Wardlow. you could start a a soft push for some people too and just go, yeah. hey, guess what we're gonna do. The winner of the Battle Royal is going to be Preston Vance. And no, he's not going to beat Moxley, but that's that's a big thing that builds his cred, right? Yeah. Like, th- that, that'd be a, a big deal, but I don't know. I mean, well, they've got enough cards that they can they can just yeah. shuffle someone to the top of the deck and it not be as big an issue. Yeah. Um, so, all right. I think that that will about wrap us up here. Um, next, next episode. Next episode is going to be our our uh, nitro era cruiserweights so tune in for that uh i believe we've got a request that we're going to be hitting here soon as well Mm -hmm. but all that being said this is shad with matt and brad we've been in three quarters you're in the fourth and we will catch you next time